Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat, a show where I interview business executives, talent development professionals, and thought leaders to find out what has been successful and challenging in the world of talent development. My objective is to share ideas, valuable lessons, tools, advice, and trends. My hope is that all of this will ultimately help you, the listener, expand your knowledge, grow your career, and accelerate your success as a talent development professional. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm so excited that you're joining me today for a conversation with my friend, Christopher Lind. Most individuals who have dedicated their careers to learning and talent development have spent a majority of their time in human resources, but Christopher is different from most individuals. He's a bold, digital-first learning and talent development leader that's always reported directly to the business function he has served. As a result, he spent his career leading the reimagination of learning and talent development across healthcare, higher education, and technology, while going head-to-head with business operation leaders and being directly accountable for the outcomes. Chris currently serves as the head of global digital learning for GE Healthcare, where his team is uh, transforming the way development occurs for commercial and marketing professionals around the world. Christopher, welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. Hey, thanks, Andy. I've got to say, no matter how many times people introduce me with that, I still just am like weirded out when people actually do a formal introduction. It's always, always odd. But thank you. Thanks for having me. I feel the same way. It's it's fun. That's why I like reading it uh, for other people (laughs) where they can hear it. Like, oh, have I done all those things? Yeah, wow. Yeah, I wrote them down, Um, but now you lose track of time. No, you've accomplished a lot of stuff. You and I connected through friends and over LinkedIn, I think, and we've talked a few times and I've been impressed with a lot of things you're doing. And I know you have some really exciting stuff coming up because you're getting into sharing more on social about uh, your expertise and network on the world of learning technology. And that's great. I'm really glad to know you because I have so many great connections across talent development, learning and development, and have gotten to know a lot about the learning side of things, you know, the quote soft skills, if you will, yep. but I'm not as, you know, knowledgeable or familiar with some of the technology that enables a lot of that stuff. So I'm excited to dig into some of those things today. But before we do that, and we start with yeah. a little bit of your background. Oh, and the other thing I needed to, I forgot to mention in our introduction is that you recently 
had a baby. You're now a father of five. Father five of five. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Jackson, Reagan, Easton, Brooklyn, and now Harrison. So we had to stick with the, it had to end in an end. That was like one of our requirements. There you go. So if you're listening and you think, oh, my job is busy and I have to manage a family. <laughs> like, I don't know if I could accomplish so many things. Like, look, no excuses. All right, Christopher no excuses. five kids and he does all of this stuff, uh, but he's taking time off from work right now. And during his paternity leave, He's still taking the time to come on this podcast and share. So I am. Thank you, Chris. So let's start with a little bit of your background. How did you get to where you are today? Yeah. So in terms of the background, I, I'm a little bit unique. When I talk to other learning and development people, I find them a little bit unique in that I always have been in learning development. Like back, I started actually as a math and computer teacher. So I was traditional education and then broke out and went corporate. But one of the things that I think I've found is that if you look at my background, I've had a really diverse background in learning and development. So lots of different industries, lots of different functions, lots of different capacities, design, development, implementation, like the whole gamut of learning and development across all of things. But always have been in that space because I've always been fascinated with people. And I care a lot about people and how do people develop and how do we get them to be what I say is awesome at their jobs, right? That's my number one goal. But what's been interesting is, where it's been really unique is that one, I've always been in a business operations function. So I've been very close to the business side of things, which has given me a unique flair in that there's a lot of stuff we talk about in learning and development. I will tell you right now, not all of it works in execution. And when you're on the op side, you see it firsthand. You're like, this is a great idea. This is an, an, like the Hindenburg down in flames. And then the other piece is, I thought I was going to be a software engineer before I went into education because I love technology. And what I found is I don't like technology from like a coding standpoint. I was good at it, hated it. But I was fascinated by the way technology was changing the way humans behave and the way they interact. And so that's where I've always found myself at that trifecta of business learning and technology, which is really how I landed here at GE running Global Digital Learning. Yeah, I like that. The trifecta of business, learning, and technology. And, you know, most companies, they have to converge those things at some point, right? Yes. A lot of companies make a big deal about being a technology company and we're so forward thinking and we're a digital company now, whatever the company is, whatever they make, right? Everybody's going through a digital transformation and they're talking about the importance of technology. But sometimes people forget that it all starts with people. Like people have to make the technology, people have to create it, people have to use it. You know, the profit and loss, the operations, everything goes back to the people at the end of the day. So tell me more about how the people fit into that and where are companies, or where are they putting together a great strategy that involves people and technology and where are people, companies failing on that? Uh, The point you made, I think, is one of the biggest ones, which is you can't lose sight of the fact that no matter what, even with automation, AI, all this stuff coming out as computers are more and more powerful, there's still a human element to it. And when you lose sight of that, that's when everything falls apart. Because at the end of the day, you still need the people to carry it forward. So you know where I see organizations doing it well is where there's that recognition and they're making that investment. And that's why more now than I've ever seen in my career, companies are, and I will say they're saying it, I don't know that they're all doing it yet, but they're saying, hey, we believe in talent development. We believe in people development because 
there are a lot of companies out there that are now quantifying the return on that. They're seeing you know, our share price is higher, our EPS is better, things like that when we invest in people. So I think that's where people are getting it right. I think what's dramatically changing things and really shaking things up for people in our industry is the way that that can be done is completely different than it was 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, I mean, with the technology changing and how those things are coming together, as well as you know how people are showing up to work, obviously people wanting different things, wanting to work different ways. I'm curious about your work at GE, because I think there's been a bit of a transformation there. And you know, I think one of the things that you're working on is transforming the organization, bringing things more up to date, modernizing, if you will. Tell me more about what that work looks like and what's going on at GE Healthcare. Yeah, so what that work looks like is extremely dynamic. I'll say that and probably changing on a regular basis. But you know, the biggest thing that we've been working on is, and I think this is kind of a something that is helpful for people to know outside of GE is, because I was the same way. Before I joined GE, I had this perception of GE. You know, I had this idea, GE is known for learning and development. I, you know, I'm thinking I'm on my onboarding right, bill and all this right. Stuff. And like, I'm going to, on day one, they're going to implant a, you know, contact lens with built-in LED screen. <laughs> like that's what I thought of. And then right. I got there and I went, or, I mean, this is like every other organization in many mm-hmm. regards. And in terms of learning and development, in many ways, we were still really attached to our foundation of things and the world's changed. And so a big part of that has been, breaking down what I say is the Stockholm syndrome of people development, right? I mean, that is probably one of the biggest challenges that we have here is helping people see that things can be done differently and helping them realize what those possibilities are. Because I could come in and as we're, whenever I talk about digital transformation, usually the tech is the last thing I talk about. Mm. I could come in bring a bunch of fancy platforms, throw a bunch of stuff at it, spend a whole lot of money on it and get nowhere because culturally the organization would just spit it back. And so really over the last several years, it's been a lot about helping bring people along for that journey and meet them where they were, right? We had to start where they were and then carry them forward. So I did not imagine I would be implementing artificial intelligence and VR in two and a half years because we definitely were not there when I started. You know, when I first yeah. started, it was, hey, we could maybe do a webinar. You know, that might be an alternative. <laughs> right. and so, so to make that journey, to me, is it feels like it's been so much longer, but I feel like we've made tremendous progress. What did you mean by Stockholm syndrome of you were, you were breaking <laughs> down the Stockholm syndrome of people development? Like people yeah. were kind of stuck in the old ways or not well, really so stock, right? So Stockholm syndrome is the psychological phenomenon where people are attached to their captors, right? They get kidnapped, right. they're attached. To, and, yep. and in many regards, that's what I see with learning and development. There's so many things we may not even like, or we know aren't effective, but yet we were so terrified of like, what's right. outside the prison Change. walls. Yeah. And we're like, well, I'm just going to stay here. At least I have this moldy toast and water. And it's like, there's a whole you know, buffet outside these walls. You just have to be willing to go out there and, and get outside your comfort zone. Yeah, totally. And that's, that happens with people in all kinds of areas. I mean, I just yes. recorded a, a different episode this morning about how growth you know, happens when you get out of your comfort zone and push past fear. And I think a lot of people, even when they're in situations they don't like, whether it's uh, technology they're using 
or a program they have in place, the risk of changing that and trying something else might be so high that there's that fear that, well, like, what if it fails? What if it goes wrong? And you know, it causes more work for me. Or what if I get fired if I try something new? So like, I don't like this program, but if I scrap it and, you know, start from scratch and try something new, that could completely blow up. And then I'm really in trouble. How do you help people with that? Well, that is, you know, it's one of the biggest challenges that I see right now. And historically, here's, there's a couple factors that play into it. So one, the landscape of technology is changing really fast. You look at the Industrial Revolution originally, 1.0, and it took decades. You look at it now, and things are taking a month, two months. You know, things are changing right. so fast. And yeah. so people are struggling because there's all this new technology coming out. There's all these new acronyms, all these new buzzwords, and they may not have that comfort with technology. Not every company has a digital learning leader that has a background in tech and, right. and learning to be able to break all that down and understand what that is. Also, a lot of people got into L&D not because of technology. They got into L&D because they like people. They like yeah. being in front of a group. Maybe they hated technology and that's exactly why they got into it. So this is now a, really almost a challenge of identity of, is this industry the industry I want to be in anymore? And that's, that's a tough thing. You, know, you read about that with people who go through that, you know, sports players who get injured and all of a sudden can't play sports and they go, well, what do I do now? Like now I I don't even know where my home is. So some of it is just L&D kind of having to have that, you know, realization of, is this really where I want to be to continue? The other thing is though, it is confusing. I mean, it is Mm -hmm. not an easy place to navigate. It's part of why I'm doing this learning tech talks thing is to help demystify this stuff because the reality is your, your, your situation earlier where it's, okay, well, I'm scared if I change and I do it wrong, I'm, I might get fired. That kind of stuff is because, well, yeah, if you pick the wrong tool, right? You pick the wrong tool and you say, hey, I, I bought this new micro learning platform and magically everything. And you start making promises to the organization, well, we're going to get 5% more revenue because we're going to go to micro learning. And then that's all that happens and it just blows up. Yeah, that does put you at a high risk. And that's where navigating this territory carefully, there's a lot of landmines. And I don't say that to freak people out, but it's why, yeah, you do need to do it, but you need to do it carefully and you need to do it right. If you work in talent development, you know that your job has become more important than ever. The problem is there's so much uncertainty and noise out in the business world and things are changing so fast it's hard to know where to go and what tools and resources to use to solve your problems. That's why I recently launched the Talent Development Think Tank community as a central and safe place to access information, ask questions, and talk with other L&D professionals like you so that you can achieve your goals and accelerate your career. Join today to get instant access to our online platform and community of ambitious, helpful talent development professionals who understand your world and can help you solve your problems. Right now, I'm offering 25% off the subscription price to podcast listeners. Just go to talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT for 25% off. That's talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT. Thanks, and on to the episode. You mentioned it being a challenge with all the different pieces, and it reminded me, and I'm just looking at my notes right now because a little while back, I went to the LinkedIn Talent Connect Conference, and I heard Josh Burson speak, who's, uh, you know, if you don't know Josh, he's 
of course, on the forefront of learning trends and learning technology and learning in the flow of work. And he said, I think he had a, a crazy slide up there that basically said the average L&D department has 23 technologies for learning. And that, of course, it's just coordinating all those things. You know, you're piecing them together from your different vendors or internal creation and yep. then trying to make them all work together. And you're going to run into problems doing that. Yeah. Completely agree. And, you know, I, I know Josh and, and I would say those 23, depending on how the org has landed on those 23, they may not even have the right 23. They may have just, right. you know, kind of gotten these 23 through acquisition or through time. And it's one of those, are these still even the right 23? Do we need 30? Do we need 15? Let's, let's figure that out and let's make sure we have the right tools for the job. How do you figure that out and and streamline and smooth it out a little bit for the business? Let's say for someone listening who's in a you know medium sized company, small team, maybe they're managing ten different technologies and learning, and you know yeah. getting frustrated with piecing these together. What's what's one or two pieces of advice you, you give in that situation? So I can just share my personal experience and what has worked really well for me, especially because I've been sure. in an operational capacity. So most of the leaders I work with. At least I feel like on the HR side, they kind of get it. They talk, you know, similar language. You go to Mm -hmm. ops and you start talking about learning and development and, you know, engagement. And it's like, what are you talking about? Like I'm talking about P&Ls and, you know, things like that. So one of the biggest things that I've found has worked really well with it is I operationalize learning and development because it really is an operation. Actually, there's an entire supply chain, right? Through the L and D is a supply. It's you've got an input, you've got you know your development cycle, you've got your operation to build this thing, you've got your supply chain and distribution, you put this stuff out there and you've got your measurement and analytics to see what's going on. And when you break it down into that, it helps in a number of ways. One, it helps the leaders understand how this whole thing fits together. It's the machine, right? There's a lot of different components and you don't build a car with one piece, you have a lot of these elements. And so breaking it down into that operations helps one to help them understand, but two, it helps build out the right team, right? Because the reality is at each stage in that supply chain, it's a different talent set. It really is. People wrongly assume that, oh, you're in learning. That means you like all of it. And no, you probably don't. I don't know very many people that like the whole thing. Some people are really comfortable with Ops, some are comfortable with design, things like that. So when you operationalize it, one, it helps you to identify the talent that you need and sell that story. It helps your business leaders then understand, okay, these are the all the components and this is how it works in their language instead of our, you know, oh, we follow Addy and like they don't know what that means. So don't talk like that. And then once you've done that and they understand the operational piece, then what's worked for me is I lay out a capability map not a platform map, doesn't map what are the platforms, but I've built a capability map that says, hey, we've got this supply chain. Within this supply chain, these are all the capabilities based on the stage in the supply chain. We need to be able to do this. We need to be able to do this. And so it starts to make sense because it's just very pragmatic. And at that point, that's when you can start to map your current platforms and identify where your gaps are because you can say, okay, you now understand our operations. We now have this capability we need to do. We can't. We either can't or this is how we're doing it today and it's extremely inefficient or we could, you know, we could get this much more thorough put if we were able to do it this way. Now you're having an operational, you're having a business discussion around this stuff instead of 
wouldn't micro learning be cool or wouldn't gamification make people excited? Like, well, that's not a conversation that excites a business leader. But hey, we can we can reduce development time of our, you know, digital content by 30% in this cycle of the supply chain if we throw this technology at it compared to how we're doing it today. Now that's a conversation that gets people's attention. Excellent. And it's something that can relate more to the business. Now you're at that convergence again between learning technology and the business side. Exactly. And I want to talk about the business because you mentioned there, you know, most L&D people, HR people grew up in HR or in learning and development because that's what they were passionate about. They went and got their master's degree or or PhD in, you know, Iowa psychology or something to do with learning and development. And they've always been in that because they really care a lot about people. And they maybe don't know as much about the business you know, I mentioned in your intro that you've always reported into the business, uh, which I think is so important and useful because at the end of the day, you know, I think learning and development is more important than ever. And yet, if it's not connected to the business, if you can't make a business case for things, then you're not a partner for the business. You're just a supplier or something else that can be cut, right? So how do you, if you're in L&D these days, you know, you're thinking about technology, but how do you also make sure that you are a partner to the business and you understand what's going on, you're connected to that and not just the, you know, the L&D provider. Yeah. So two things that have worked well for me, and honestly, some of them are really simple. I think sometimes we overcomplicate this stuff. So one of them is I have a lot of conversations with people and just down to earth conversations. And it's because I have a genuine curiosity about the business. And I think that's the big, if you're not curious about how the business works, that's a problem. That's going to hold you back. Like you should really want to. I remember when I started at AbbVie to run L&D there, I didn't know a thing about healthcare. I didn't know a thing about pharmaceuticals, but I was fascinated by it. And I committed myself to just learning about it. And I went and I, I talked to people. I, I went and visited a place where we manufacture the products. I was just curious about it. And when you're genuinely curious one, it changes the conversations you have. But two, I have yet to meet a business leader that doesn't like to talk about their business, that doesn't like to tell you about what they do, isn't you know curious and, and want to know, you know, let you bring you up to speed. I think sometimes we're afraid to be vulnerable and say, I don't know, but I know you know, can you tell me? And right. we're afraid if we do that, they're going to be like, well, what you know? What are you doing? You're terrible. Yeah, you shouldn't do you idiot. <laughs> no, they don't. They're like, well, I'd love to help. You know, why don't I do this? Why don't I introduce you to this person? Why don't I help you go see this? And that has one. It gives you credibility because hey, you now build these relationships, and it gets you to the second part, which is one I think sometimes puts us in a bad spot. Is when we act like learning and development is the key to success, mm. right? We overstate our role. When we say things like, oh, we're the leg holding up the table or we're the real driver behind business performance, we are grossly overstating our role in that. And that really turns people off. Like the same would happen if somebody came to me and goes, oh, I know learning and develop. Like we hate it in learning and development when business leaders right. come to us and talk about, do. like, yeah, I know what learning is. Why don't you just go do a workshop? And you're like, you do not know what we do. But right. we do the same thing. We go to them and we're like, yeah, well, I know you run this multi-million dollar P&L, but you know what your problem is? You need to do this. Mm-hmm. And when you have that genuine curiosity, you break that down because you acknowledge what you can control. You build a relationship and you genuinely recognize that, hey, there are things you know way better than I do. And that builds that forged partnership where it's like, listen, I can help you with this, 
but I need you because I don't know this and let's work together to figure it out. And then for me, it's worked well. I don't, you know, I don't know that that's a magic formula, but I can tell you it's worked well for me over the years. No, I think as I've asked a lot of other people that that's the most common advice, which is, you know, go talk to the business leaders, go talk to the business, have conversations, be curious. And you're right. I think sometimes we, we try to pretend that we know stuff because we're afraid, we're embarrassed that, you know, we're going to be found out that we don't really know, but then we're never really going to learn. And the other side of that, that I've learned over time is that people love helping. They love teaching. Like you said, everybody has a story and they want to talk about their business. So if you just come in and say, Hey, can you teach me how your business works? And like, tell me about some of the big goals and what the challenges are. Maybe I can help you. You know, I'd love to understand that better and just listen and take notes and try to understand that business better. I mean, yeah, there's a small chance they go, Oh, I can't believe you didn't know this, but it's better to be in that situation than to just pretend that you know it and, and then walk away with no knowledge at all and not be right. able to help. And it's far easier. So I will say there's maybe been one instance where that's happened where they've gone, you know, how are you not aware of this already? That is much easier to redirect than pretending you know everything, offending the person and then walking out and still not really knowing what you're doing right. anyway. And now you implement something and they just look at you like, I thought you knew it all. Why would you have even wasted your time doing that? Yeah. It reminds me, it's like why one of the reasons I love running business simulations, which I've been doing for the last nine years, because I get to put executives, leaders through these experiences because they've been going around for most of their career pretending that they know how the business works, but they really don't. <laughs> yeah. And so now they get to sit down and actually learn it. And I see them struggling with it. And I get to be part of that experience where they they're actually learning how the business works. They learn how a PL works. You know, because you the higher you get in your career, the higher you move up the harder it is to ask for help because the more embarrassing it is when you go, you know, I actually don't understand how an income statement works or how we make money. Yeah. You you can't do that when it's hard to do that when you're an SVP, but (laughs) it happens. Yeah. I want to go to a few of my standard questions here, Christopher, what has been your greatest success or proudest moment in your career so far? Man, that's a tough one. I mean, in terms of, I guess, I don't know that there's one, right? There's not like one shining moment that I say, wow, you know, this really is, is yeah, we're proud of accomplishment, but it could be a program. I I look at, right. Whether it's a program or I would say this has happened every time I've left an organization, or I would even say where I'm at at GE now is, you know, it's one thing when you come in and you want to change things and you're that lone, you know, marching drummer out there saying, everybody, we need to go this way. We need to move this direction. And everybody's just kind of watching you and maybe they're seeing what you're doing. And when you get to that point where you know you could go and everything would keep moving in the direction you'd gone because it's not about you anymore, that to me is like the apex of things. And I've seen that in orgs as I've left. And I would say the same thing now at GE is you know, there, yeah, there's some things that would change if something were to, you know, if I got hit by a bus or something like that. But as a whole, this whole new mindset, this new way of thinking about learning, this approach to technology, it's not about me anymore. And that to me is a huge accomplishment is when you can start to get other people to believe in doing things different and they're actually the ones selling the story. That to me is incredible. Yeah. You've been evangelizing this stuff and transforming the organization and it's set up for success even if you were to leave today or get hit by a bus, like you said. (laughs) Uh, Hopefully for my five kids and wife's sake does not happen, but yeah. Hopefully it doesn't happen. I'm crossing (laughs) my fingers right now. I know you work from home, so that the chance of that is smaller than maybe someone commuting in New York or something. (laughs) 
what was the flip side of that? What's been your biggest, one of your biggest mistakes or failures in your career and what'd you learn from it? Yeah. So this happened early in my career and this goes back to why I've forged, been so intentional about being vulnerable and building relationships with business partners. As I remember early in my career, I had a very unique opportunity to kind of come up with this big strategy for the organization and where we were going to go. And, you know, I did all my L&D research, right? I put my, all my degrees into power. I connected with all my L&D people. I had this whole strategy. It was the perfect learning and development strategy by the textbook. And I sat down in front of our chief operating officer and his team. And I said, this is what we're going to do. And this is you know, what we're going to get out of it. And I said all the right things. And this man was a terrifying guy. He, I mean, he's super nice once you got to know him. But like, he was that guy that could just, he could just look at you and you went, you just like crumbled. And I just remember him looking at me and he just said, back to the drawing board. And that's all he said. And then he, the staff just walked out. And I remember wow. being like, wow, like what just happened right now? And it was, he was such a great mentor because I went to him and he, he didn't just, you know, thwack me over the head and say, you know, you're fired or get out of here. I remember sitting down with him and that's when he said, he goes, you didn't talk to my people. You didn't talk mm. to me. He's like, what you put together, I'm sure is great in learning and development. He's like, but that will not work in this business. Yeah. And he goes, we could have told you that months ago and probably saved you a whole lot of time and a whole lot of effort. And so I was so thankful that he was willing to coach and give me that feedback because I could have, you know, I could have just not known or I could have moved on to another company, but he didn't. And he took the time. And I think that was, right. It was a huge failure. I mean, it was a complete kick in the teeth, punch in the stomach, but it was the greatest learning experience of my career because it, it completely changed my entire perspective moving forward. That's awesome. And so great to learn that early in your career so that you could yeah. take those steps, right? And <laughs> I'm glad with I learned it early. Yeah. It was painful. No, it's fantastic. And a great way to learn it, right? And, and thankful that he mentored you on that so that you could get more into the business. This episode of the Talent Development Hot Seat is sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage is the first place to call when you need leaders to lead, sellers to sell, and your business to flourish. We specialize in connecting organizations with exceptional learning solutions to help them turn strategy into action and get their people doing the best work of their lives. And we're also proud to be providing tons of great content and inspiration to you and everyone out there during troubled times. You can go to advantageperformance.com to find any of our weekly webinars, insights, white papers, and blogs we've been putting out to help you survive and thrive during challenging times. That website again is advantageperformance.com. And now back to the show. I want to stop here and talk a little bit about for a minute about networking and connecting. Yeah. We're talking about connecting with the business, getting to know people. I just in getting to know you a little bit and some of the people you mentioned that you know, I can tell you are very well connected. You've talked about to me about some of the groups that you've run in the past and been part of. Yeah. Uh, you network a ton, just like I do. And I'm a big fan of that. I think your network is your net worth. I think that the biggest thing that is going to help you in a career, whether you're on your own business or you're you're developing your career. The interesting thing that I think what you've done, 
uh, because I'm big on going to conferences yeah. and you know meeting with people in person. And I know you love to do that if you can, but I also know you've told me that, you know, hey, you work remotely, you're up in Milwaukee, you work from home, you've got five kids, you don't want to travel very much. So you've been very insistent on doing everything virtually as much yeah. as you can. And it seems like you've been very successful with that, especially using the technology we have. You and I are on Zoom right now looking at each other face to face, which is fantastic, right? It's <laughs> We're smooth, friends it's and we've never met. <laughs> We're friends and we've never met in person. It will happen one day. But I guess I'll have to come to Wisconsin, to Milwaukee. I've never been to Wisconsin <laughs> before. But tell me a little bit about that strategy and how you've set boundaries and it still worked well for you. Yeah. So, you know, part of it started early in my career because I was on a remote team and it actually, you know, they say some of the greatest ideas come out of like a person's passion for something they can't stand seeing. Mm -hmm. And so I was remote and we, I was part of a remote team, but there was a good chunk of us that were in the office and I hated feeling like a second class citizen. I'm like, this is the worst. Like all the people in the office have all this fun and they'd hang out and like, we're just the odd ducks out. And so I was, that was back when you looked like a Minecraft character on webcam. So there wasn't a whole lot of options, but I started doing it. I started being on webcam and I started saying, no, we can do this differently. And the other thing was I fall on the scale pretty hard on, on introversion. So for me, like the in-person thing, I can do it. I've learned how to do it well, but it, it just drains me. It completely drains me. And so I also found that, okay, one, I can't always be everywhere. Two, it also drains me. So if I do it, I'm going to be constantly exhausted. So I had to find ways to do it differently. And people had always told me, you know, networking like you, your network is your net worth. I haven't heard that one. That one's pretty creative. So I, I'll give you props there. But for me, it was like, well, but that's never going to happen for me the way everybody tells me I have to do it. So I decided and I, I looked at the research into what are the outcomes of networking? Like, what are you driving towards with these networking things? Because I think a lot of people do in-person stuff and they don't get anything out of it, right? They show up oh, at a true. conference and then they go home and it's like, well, that was neat, but like zero return on that investment. Oh yeah, I can so talk I, all day about that. So I started looking at what are the outcomes that we're driving towards, you know, building meaningful relationships, getting to know people in, you know, outside your industry, getting to know people in other companies, things like that. And I so I started looking at that and going, well, how can I do that differently? And so that's where you know, the things you mentioned, I've fully engaged with LinkedIn, but I've been intentional about it versus just, yeah, I have my resume out there and yes, you know, occasionally I, you know, like somebody's thing and that's about the extent of it. Instead, it's about, no, what you do to get the most out of a conference. I go talk to people. I reach out and say, Hey, I'd love to get to know you. And I make it about getting to know them, not, Hey, nice to meet you. Let me talk at you for the next 20 minutes and things like that. And so that has led to, right. I mean, things I never would have dreamed possible, you know, already. And so again, right. And I think that's something that I encourage people with is that networking is critical. The way you network, that is your own journey. And you need to figure out what works for you because now, just like with learning and development, technology is changing all the rules. Yeah, definitely. And you, how you've leveraged that technology to add to that. I remember from our first conversation, you're not just interacting with people on LinkedIn. And and first of all, Mm -hmm. like you said, engaging, not just look at the feed every now and then and liking some stuff, but like engaging, commenting, posting content, engaging with people, using direct message to have conversations back and forth. I know you formed some groups with, you know, some people that you admire or learn from that where you can share information. I think you have a group where you've set up a Zoom 
call once or twice yep. a month. Where once a month. People teach, right, teach whatever they're working on. So now you're interacting with people, even though if they're in different parts of the country or different parts of the world. And, you know, I do some of that too. And I find it so useful, especially if you are working from home, like you and I, you know, whether you're introvert or extrovert, humans need social creatures. socialization. We need connection. It's part of the basic human needs. And so, you know, you can get a little bit of that with the video calls, which we have now with Zoom. Big fan, yeah. by the way. So it's awesome what you've done that. And then you've also talked about like streaming into conferences and, you know, checking I with just people keynoted. that way. I just keynoted this week. So yeah, it was pretty fun. Really? Yep. Tell me about that real quick. Yeah. So X Impact was out in San Diego. They had contacted me. They said, we, you know, we're fascinated by what you're doing with learning and development. We'd love to have you there. And this was, you know, early this year. And it was, again, one of those things where I said, I would love to. I'd love to be there. My wife is due, right? within a week of that conference. And I just can't commit to doing it. But in the spirit of, I tend to be very outcome focused in the spirit of what's your outcome. It's like, if your outcome is you want me to talk about the future of learning and development, and that's, that's what you're trying to do. I can do that. Right. We can. And then they're like, okay, okay, let's, let's hear it, which was awesome because they adopted it. And I said, it also kind of fit the topic too, because here I'm talking about the future and thinking differently about yeah, things. You're in it. What better way to do it than to be like, well, let's you know, walk the walk. Right. Let's do and video so, course. yeah. So on Wednesday morning, I joined you know, right there. They had me up on the big screen. I had a camera out watching everybody so I could see the questions and answer. And I gave my you know, kind of keynote talk and answered some questions for folks and then went back and made the kids breakfast. It was really fun. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. The other day, a couple weeks ago, I was up in New York to give a keynote for a company up there and I did it live in person, but they were also live streaming it to their other office in Colorado. Okay. And they had set up a tripod with a like an iPad Pro streaming it. And it was funny because it was working really well, except at one point about halfway through my 90 minute session, the iPad just fell off of the... <laughs> Of the tripod. <laughs> I worried about the people on the other side. They're like, they might think that we just had an earthquake or something like the building just exploded. And uh, so the, but the, you know, the tech guy, AV guy ran over and repositioned it. It stayed up there the rest of the time. And I think it was a big success. Everything worked yeah. out really well. There's more opportunities to do stuff like that. And so people that don't have to be in the same place, they can still learn. You mentioned webinars earlier. I'm thinking yeah. about getting into more of those. There's a lot of opportunities for for this yeah. type of stuff. Well, and and I think that's where it, it just, but it's about the intentionality behind it, right? right? Because whether it's in person, whether you use it with technology, what you get out of it is what you put into it. And that I think is the biggest thing. But you know, I, that's where I see technology allowing. Same thing with learning and development. It's allowing mm-hmm. us to expand the capacity and the reach, right? My network is global people from all over the world that I yeah. know, like I know the names of their kids. I've talked to them and things like that. And that's something I probably never would have had the opportunity to do because I can't be in all those places at once. Yeah. And that's to um, me what's exciting about it. Totally. And I think people need both. You know, I'm hosting my first conference here later this year, the Talent Development Think Tank in November, because I strongly believe people crave that personal connection. And will if they can come together in person, it, it, they can really benefit from that. But I also know a lot of people can't travel that much or won't whatever it is. So I'm also yep. planning on building an online community where people can come together on a regular basis and network and learn from each other. And I uh, hope to have you a part of that, Christopher. So a yeah. couple more questions. Sure. We've already covered a lot of different topics. Are there any other big trends that you're following in learning and development that we haven't really talked about so far? Oh, I mean, yeah. So a couple big ones that I'm staying close to. You know, one, this whole 
people keep talking about workflow learning. And I still think that, you know, we're still figuring out what that means. I, when I was live yesterday talking about this and, you know, there's a lot of talk about integrations. That's really the apex of workflow learning is how do we actually put content in the right places and give it, you know, contextual information. And I think that we're getting there. I think it's a, a balancing act because it can be very expensive and time consuming. And I think one of the things we have to be careful of with this trend is that we don't wrongly prioritize workflow learning from our definition of what we think the workflow is. And I think that's the risk is that, you know, we can kind of from the crystal palace be like, this is how we think workflows. So we're going to waste all this time and money building this workflow learning around a workflow that if you actually talk to the frontline people, they'd be like, well, we don't actually do that. So you know, thanks, but no thanks. Because sometimes it's very simple. So I think that's as we get our legs around workflow learning, some of these emerging technologies are helping tremendously. I think AR is going to be a big one in helping with workflow learning because we can actually augment and have, you know, awareness of where people are and what they're doing. And we can actually then know, hey, this is the type of support you need. And even going back to the point about personal connections, right? We can actually and we've run some experiments with this, like you can actually live stream in a subject matter expert in a situation when you're trying to do something to help you through it, which is something that's almost impossible to do through traditional means. So that's where I think workflow learning is going to become huge. I think where we need to make the shift is that workflow learning is not only about content, but it's also about experience. It's not just how do we push this course to people in the workflow? How do we push this you know, thing to them. It's how do we create opportunities for them to do stuff and practice it in the flow of work instead of being like, well, how do we get them to find time to take our e-learning while they're doing their job? Like, yeah, that's maybe a part of it, it but that's be, it not be built real. into the culture and the strategy. Right. Really. Right. Yeah. And so that I think is a big part of it. And that's where I think, you know, big, big trends that I'm following are how is augmented reality really going to impact that? Because to me, augmented mm. reality will be the GPS of real life for people. And I think there's tremendous opportunity for us to better achieve workflow learning using AR. So that's a big one that I'm following and watching as the technology is evolving, as you know, things are coming. And the other one is, you know, everybody's talking about artificial intelligence. I think there's a tremendous future in where that's going. I think people are still figuring out what that means. And so from a practicality standpoint, we're saying the words, but I see us struggling with knowing what do we do with it. So I'm continuing to look at really practical ways that we can take AI and, and continuing to learn from other people. What are you doing practically to apply AI? Because we've learned throwing AI at our data right now is not probably the best because our data historically hasn't been great because we haven't been using technology to do things. And so we've got this really broken data throwing AIs at it's not necessarily helping, but it is helping, you know, automation. I've been working with a group that is, I'm looking at, you know, people are like, oh, you can't build an e-learning without a person. Yeah, yeah, you can. There's automated solutions now that, you know, are actually building really good e-learning you know, and improving efficiency. It's not removing the designer, but it's changing their role. And to me, that's something I think is going to be interesting to watch. Voice is coming a long ways. And so voice analysis and our ability to look at sentiment and things like that, I think is going to continue to evolve our ability to provide people with feedback and coaching, again, in the flow of work. 
They can yep. do it. They can get that feedback where they need to be. You know, Lexas are all over the place now. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, things like that. So I think that voice is huge. It's huge. It, it's, it's huge. Future, and AI is, right? Yeah. Well, and AI's gotten to the point it's actually really effective at it. You know, I think that's yeah. where AI is still pretty immature in some areas. Oh, yeah. I mean, not only can you use it, and Siri's actually gotten a lot better, but I still feel like we got a long way to go there. But yeah, you said yeah. Alexa's everywhere. You can use Siri, voice to text. You know, a lot of people are searching that. And then I think about, I use Fidelity for a lot of my banking, and they now use voice recognition. So I don't have to give a password or any information when I call in. They just listen to me talk, and they know it's me, yep. which is amazing. Yeah. Um, but then I heard the other day about some like, I don't know what it was, hackers or something that like were able to recreate the voice of a CEO and give some orders into organizations. There's, I mean, there's always like scary things. That yeah. Well, and I think that's one of the things that it's going to take some time, right? Some of these really cool emerging trends that are out there, I think it's going to be a bit before they go mainstream and not because yeah. the technology is not ready. The trust isn't there yeah. yet with people. You know, even right. with their own organizations, they're like, ah, do I really want you, you know, knowing where I am and what I'm doing? That's, you know, that's one of the biggest challenges with workflow learning is like people are a little mm. skittish about telling you what they're doing, when and how, because they're like, what are you going to do with that information? So I think we'll get there, but it's yeah. just, just going to take some time. I don't think we'll have to worry about that with Gen Z when they take no. over because they're just used no. to being, you know, Google and Facebook knowing where they all are at all right. times and sharing everything, right? Last question for you, Christopher. Yeah. For anyone listening in, learning and development, looking for ways to accelerate their careers, get to the next level, what's one more piece of advice you would give? You know, the advice I would give to somebody looking to accelerate their career in learning and development or continue to grow is get as much diverse experience in learning development as possible. I think that's one of the biggest gaps. And I think that's one of the things I see hold people back in learning and development is they may know their work stream really, really well. And that's okay if that's what you want to do. But if you want to run more, you want to have bigger orgs, if you want to continue to grow, you need to really understand deeply the entire L&D supply chain. Because if all you've been doing is you know, coordinating logistics and workshops, you don't understand what goes into design and, and infrastructure and tech. You know, If you've only been doing tech and infrastructure, you don't have a respect for what it takes to actually run it when it takes time to go. So I think that's where I always advise people to get as much diverse experience so that you truly understand deeply everything and understand the effects and the ripple effects of all the decisions that you make. Fantastic. Yeah, get a diverse experience. Plus, you never know where things are going to go, future no. of work. I mean, jobs are changing. The more experience you have in different areas, the more you're going to be able to jump in on stuff and, and hopefully you know, go deep on something and become a subject matter expert as well. There's benefits to both, but I really like that. All right, we got to wrap things up here, Christopher. I know you have something you're starting up soon. You mentioned already the yeah. Learning Tech Talks. As we record this, it hasn't started yet, but I know it's starting soon. It'll probably be going by the time this goes it live. Will. Where can people go find out about those Learning Tech Talks and how do they get in touch with you? Yeah, so in terms of Learning Tech Talks, I'm excited about that. It's just an opportunity for people to learn more about technology from me and technology providers. In terms of finding out more if people are connected with me on LinkedIn, they can follow me on LinkedIn that you will see no shortage of posts about what it is and you can follow that and subscribe to it. We've got it going through the channels. It'll be on iTunes, Spotify, all the usual channels if you can't catch the live show, but we will be live on LinkedIn every week. So love it. I can't wait for that. And excited to be connected with you and appreciate you coming on today, Christopher, to share all of your learnings and uh, advice and uh, look forward to keeping in touch. Thanks again for coming on the podcast. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me, Andy. All right. Take care. 
If you're looking for a place to connect with colleagues and peers from your industry and find out what other people in talent development are working on, you need to check out the brand new Talent Development Think Tank membership community. Inside, we have members from companies all over the world who are working on all different things in talent development and sharing what's been working, what's been not working, and answering each other's questions so we can all get our jobs done more effectively and be more successful in our careers. If you'd like to join us, we'd love to have you. Just head on over to tdtt.us slash community, and you can use code HOTSEAT for 25% off your subscription. That's tdtt.us slash community and use code HOTSEAT for a limited time for 25% off your subscription. If you have any questions, reach out to me and let me know and we'll see you there. Thanks for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you got value out of this show, please subscribe, leave a review and share with your colleagues and friends. We want to spread the word and add as much value to the talent development community as possible. And we need your help. As always, you can find more information and connect with me at talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Take care.